It's funny, I was thinking this um, as I was coming home from work today. I'm really going to end up doing a Shearer. Uh, well, I don't know much about Kluge. So I'm afraid I'm going to have to rely on rely on what the, the statistics tell us about that, Ed. Sorry, bad thing happened. Newcastle accent, terrible. Shola Amiobi. That's how you get into a Newcastle accent by saying Shola Amiobi. Anyway, Ed, how are you doing? Enough of this nonsense. Very good. Packed week, isn't it, really, for football? Two games just passed, two games coming up. And lots of stuff off the field to talk about as well. And I don't know how we're going to get through this in, in uh, four hours, let alone 45 minutes. Uh, let's do it as quickly as we can then. Uh, the Liverpool game, can we start by talking about football? Thoroughly underwhelming performance from United, but what a smash and grab between Valencia's sheer desire to win the ball on the run before the penalty, Raphael's bit of magic in the box, and Robin Van Persie's absolutely spectacular refusion of the idea that Sir Alex is trying to win the league without any pens. We nicked it at Anfield. Oh, complete robbery, wasn't it? You know, stole it from them. Totally not deserved uh, at all. I think Ferguson called it a very poor performance and, and he's been generous. It was, it was absolutely terrible. Of course, Ferguson didn't take any of the blame himself and he probably should have because it was patently obvious as soon as he named a central midfield with 38-year-old Ryan Giggs in it that uh, it was going to be something like that. And given how Liverpool play, always with three in central midfield and looked at uh, retain the ball and dominate in midfield it was quite obvious that United were going to be outgunned in midfield and, and lose the possession battle and, and frankly United only won that game because of uh, a couple of refereeing decisions which which might as well get to it I, I thought were both correct uh, but uh, it's that stroke of luck that, uh, that helped United win at Anfield for what first time in five years yeah, I mean, it's phenomenal to get a win at Anfield, isn't it? Who who cares if we weren't that good? The good performances will still come another day, I think. And to kind of ride our luck and, and nick a win there just just felt really great after, especially after last season, that FA Cup tie there, which was my least favourite game of last season, really, all things considered. I just felt sick after watching it, and and it, so it was just nice to nick it. Both refereeing decisions. I don't, I, to be honest, I don't really see how there's a debate about either of them. Glenn Johnson didn't even slightly complain about the the penalty decision when was the last time you saw a footballer who was a wrong decision given against him not complain for it he did afterwards he accused he accused Valencia of diving yeah right. he said he didn't even touch him and it was a dive I mean, he completely undermines his own argument by saying he didn't even touch him when he put two hands on his back and clipped his heel. I mean, yeah, yeah. Valencia was kind of going down at the point at which his heels were clipped anyway. And actually, I think Valencia it was very stupid defending from Johnson. I think Valencia had run himself into trouble anyway. But but yeah, it's unquestionably a penalty. And also, the sending off... The argument that that is somehow not a sending off, that's just completely bizarre to me. He absolutely flew into that challenge. Lots of talk made about the fact that Johnny Evans also was uh, a bit reckless in that tackle, which I'm sure he was a bit reckless, but there was no comparison to the way he went in. Uh, One of his legs was drawn back. Shelby went straight into the player. Later on in the commentary, Alan Smith said... When Robin Van Persie made an absolutely perfect sliding tackle on with one leg down with his studs not pointing upwards. Oh, don't see much difference between that and Shelby. Like, well, then you really need to think a lot more about human basic anatomy because it was completely different. 
Yeah, well, Alan Smith is in the Niall Quinn camp of not being able to hide his anti-Unitedness, you know, which which fine, fine, you know, he had plenty of run-ins with United as a player and he, he just can't hide it as a commentator, which is OK, but, you know, let's not try and pretend he's uh, he's in the neutral camp at all. T- totally right about Shelby. He flew in, he was very high. The difference between a yellow and a red is the difference between reckless and dangerous, and, and I thought Evans was reckless because he did go flying in. He, he got the ball, but, you know, that actually doesn't really matter I don't think and and then Shelby dangerous because he was very very high and the studs went directly into Evans's shin so that's why I didn't have a problem Van Persie's tackle was perfectly fine later there are always going to be tackles in in this kind of game actually I thought it was less blood and guts than than uh, recent uh, Liverpool United games and maybe that was the occasion and all of that 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 muted things down a bit or maybe it was just the style of play of the two teams at the moment I I don't know I mean it's not as if United have any tacklers in the team and and Rodgers is obviously trying to get Liverpool to to play in a certain way but generally speaking I thought the referee had a fine game he's had uh, the poor guy's had cancer and he's had the death threats and people wishing for the cancer to return on twitter which is rather a shame but but pretty typical of of the kind of atmosphere that we have around football at the moment on on all sides i think i think it's got to be 14 year olds on the internet you know i think it's people that have grown up with the youtube comment mentality and and there's just a huge disconnect between reality and the internet for for these kids but that's a a broader point i'm sure there were some 45 year old men in there as well maybe women too let's let's not be gender biased about people being obnoxious but yeah also had an excellent game very difficult game to referee uh perhaps if perhaps if we were liverpool fans recording this podcast we wouldn't be saying he'd had a brilliant game because no doubt your team support skews your view a bit but try and be what's the word try and be objective about it and and in this case I thought it was excellent those two decisions no question about it they were right in my mind maybe Liverpool should have had a penalty but Luis Suarez probably should have you know tried not to do such a blatant flop with his dive well, right, and now it's debatable, that one, because it, it does appear that Evans got his toe to the ball, even if he didn't, yeah, Suarez's swallow dive was, was so theatrical that I think a lot of referees would have turned their back to him, and, and there is something in the complaint about uh, him having a reputation, well, he probably shouldn't dive quite so much, and then he might get rid of that reputation. Yeah, no, absolutely. So uh, Ferguson's tactics didn't work. Ryan Giggs in central midfield, one of the most depressing sentences United fan can utter. Just, you know, no no effectiveness whatsoever. I was watching the game thinking, I hope this is within reach by the time Skulls comes on and turns it around. And it, even Skulls coming on didn't completely transform the game, although it, it definitely changed it enough that we were in it. But, you know, against 10 men, we looked absolutely feeble. Yeah, actually um, a Rancast listener from Sweden wrote to me, uh, Dennis Johnson, and he, he went to the trouble of putting together a spreadsheet of, uh, this is from last season of Manchester United's central midfield combinations and their win ratios as a result. Uh, there, there are plenty of stats nerds on the internet, not just me, which is good to see. Someone's got to get some girlfriends. He mentions uh, of the games, United played 53 matches last season, and and, uh, this isn't cause and effect, but it's just an indicator. So what were United's win, draw and loss ratios with various players? So Carrick played 33 games, 15% loss ratio. Coles played 15 games, 12% loss ratio. Anderson played 11 games, 9% loss ratio. Cleverly played 9 games, 22% loss ratio. And we can go on and on, and there's Fletcher and Jones and Park and Rooney and Gibson and Raphael. Who's got the worst lost ratio of the lot Ryan Giggs 37% now 
Of course, that isn't cause and effect, but it might just give you a little indicator to show that when Giggs plays for United, United don't have a very good record. I mean, it generally means there's a problem, right? If Giggs is playing in central midfield, Skulls isn't fit, uh, there's an even more serious problem and Carrick's playing at centre-back, you know, something like that. But also Fergie does it in, I don't know, like quote-unquote big games sometimes for some reason which to me looks misguided, but you know... I I can only assume he was looking for the experience and felt Skulls had two games beforehand so couldn't put Skulls into the into the mix there and, and wanted the experience rather than Cleverly or or Anderson or, or any of the other options. Uh, you know, Fletcher's back now as well, so um, he's got to have been that, but it, it's, a, it's a mistake, right? The gigs, unfortunately, he's getting on, so he's not as mobile as he used to be even though he still covers the ground well but he he's just so wasteful with the ball and there have been times when he's been down at sort of 65 70 percent possession he, he was better than that in this game uh, in terms of his you know neatness of possession but he just had no impact on the game there was no oomph in midfield was there united just weren't able to compete until shelby was sent off and as skulls came on was able to start dictating play a little bit more yeah absolutely the, the word for the two moments of magic uh, Raphael's goal, wow, absolutely stunning. Where did that come from? I mean, he's had some good games this season as well. I thought he, I thought he had a fine game at Anfield. I thought defensively he was pretty sound, and and that's the area he gets most criticism from. And and then an absolute piece of magic for the goal. You're right. And and you know, I mean, he's very young, and perhaps he really is growing into it. Perhaps he's maturing. You know, it, 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 I don't I don't know whether he's got the capacity to really learn to be a diligent right back. But in the modern game, it's a very very, very difficult ask anyway, as we keep talking about every week, really, in terms of, especially in terms of Evera, you know, they, they don't have that much cover, they're expected to do a lot of work offensively, and so the, the defensive work definitely suffers, no, no question about it, and and learning your, tr- like, learning your trade in that environment can't be straightforward for Raphael. But yeah, a very good game defensively, and, and an absolute wonder goal, just beautiful to see him, kind of, all the lovely interplay on the right that led up to it, and then him breaking into the box and curling it into the far corner, just a completely assured finish. Wonderful stuff. Look, it's an exaggeration to say it, but it's not far off true that there are only really two good moments for United in the match, and and uh, that move and the goal was one of them, and, and Tony Valencia's you know, jet-fueled heels <laughs> to, to win the, the penalty. I, I mean, it was tragic-comic, wasn't it? The two Liverpool players crashing into each other as Valencia flew past them with the ball and then going to the box and won the penalty, and, and a fine, fine finish from Robin Van Persie. He did, you knew he was going to hit it hard, though, didn't you? I mean, especially after the last one. I kind of had a vision of him doing a full Penenka and scoring and just like, you know, giving it the full big one. But yeah, there's no question that as those Liverpool players collided with each other, the the noise that they heard was this. Beep, beep. Exactly. It was unbelievable. I was watching on telly and like, you know, they were so much nearer the ball than he was. And yet. He just, he suddenly just looked like a, a hundred yard sprinter. We really did say, sign Bolt up after all. And and yeah, Van Persie blasted the penalty. Rainer, a, a good saver of penalties. Guessed right, went the right way, moved early, did everything you're supposed to do as a keeper. But nope, uh, he got a, a good hand to it, but it was just too too much power and, and fantastic stuff from the big Dutchman and oh Robin Van Persie rang out around the ground. A, a very quiet game, but but a crucial moment. 
I suppose we ought to briefly touch on the, the old issue of chanting and fans and Hillsborough and all of that stuff because it, it would only be fair as a review. And, and there were some moments in the game. There was one moment of murderers that I heard and one of Where's Your Famous Munich song. Uh, but uh, I thought for the most part that we really didn't have to think about that and talk about that too much. And, uh, and uh, quite clearly most United fans went there to to be respectful of the ceremonies that happened before the game. I thought they were, you know, pretty touching ceremonies and, and Ferguson was involved and Bobby Charlton and, and all of that. And and for the most part, we were able to come out of that game not thinking about either the, the media on a witch hunt about United or United fans having embarrassed the club or, or anything like that. Yeah, a few rumblings about United singing during You'll Never Walk Alone. It's pretty ridiculous. As you keep saying, do we expect people to stay quiet when we sing the United Calypso? Well, I think they should from now on. I think, I think, yeah, I think they should be silent while everyone sings United Calypso. In fact, I think away fans should put their hand on their heart because uh, it's a moment of uh, Mancunian patriotism. I don't agree with, but I do see the point of the people that kind of built that into part of the specific tribute for the 96 but I I actually think you know Ferguson talked a lot about football rivalry and, and we talked a lot last week about the unhuman aspects of that it was a very pure footballing rivalry moment when the United fans were singing that they were like you know you sing your football song we sing our football song to try and out chant you right and it, and it's every single game against Liverpool so I mean I can't I have to say this one baffles me and, and the only reason it's been made a fuss of is you know alien atmosphere be the hope for a story and ignorance on the part of the some of the journalists who are who are trying to talk about it yeah absolutely i mean that that was very clearly a moment of hoping for trying to make a story where there wasn't one because they set it up for a story that never took place really and and that's great it's brilliant to not have had to talk about that too much so so good stuff and you know john joe shelby having a massive pop at fergie is kind of misguided anyway but specifically misguided in a week after he's been so incredibly magnanimous about liverpool yeah, you're right. I think Ferguson takes a lot of credit from, from the week and the way he created a focus around the club on doing the right thing and, and made sure United were part of the ceremonies, but also made sure the fans you know, had the word from him about what was acceptable and what wasn't acceptable. And, and I, I thought, you know, he takes no credit for his tactics because they were horrendous, right? but he takes an awful lot of credit for everything off the field. And I think it shows what a football man he is. And, and Kenny Dalglish came out afterwards and said uh, Ferguson was the first person on the phone after after Hillsborough so you know we can we can put that to bed I think when Liverpool turn up at Old Trafford on January the 12th hostilities will resume you know but hopefully there'll be football ones and uh, we, we we don't need to talk about that or worry about that anymore yeah absolutely and without wishing to engage in too much moral relativism uh, the Liverpool fan collective came out of the game pretty poorly booing ever again you know that's pretty pretty dis- disgraceful really especially in the context but I think they would say that it stands outside the context and it is a kind of football thing but uh, you know to me it's just like it's just endemic racist problem in our society you know that's but yeah anyway talking of football uh, Rio Ferdinand excellent game despite the fact that he appeared to be operating on one leg for about 10 minutes uh, just just fantastic incredibly mature performance from Rio I thought he was absolutely magnificent 
Ferdinand, on the day that John Terry retired from international football, Ferdinand reminded everyone why he's still the best English centre half in the country. I mean, just just awesome. And hobbling through it clearly wasn't quite fit, and that uh, his back pocket was bulging with Suarez in it. Fantastic! Just a reminder of of what a yeah, enduring quality Ferdinand is. Funny, there's some uh, talk and rumours on the internet from some very trashy websites about Ferdinand perhaps joining West Ham at the end of the season because he's out of contract, of course, in the summer, and the, the club hasn't. Started talks with him about renewing that contract uh, I, I suspect that uh, if if some of the younger players do manage to develop this season that United might not renew it just depends on Fernand's fitness and, and whether Fernand fancies going off to the States but on the, on the day absolutely huge and immense for United and he'll need to be of course because Nemanja Vidic is, is out for a couple of months it seems yeah I guess let's let's move on to the Nemanja injury because that happened in between the Liverpool game and the Newcastle game a rush back basically it would seem to me it would be the uh, untrained medical diagnosis. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, me too, untrained. Although I wouldn't have been surprised at all if, if Vidic had had a few sort of niggly minor injuries. And, and it's quite common, isn't it, for, for people who've been out for an awful long time to then get muscle and, and thigh injuries and tendon injuries and stuff like that because more other bodies adjusting to the major injury. And he hasn't quite looked right, Vidic, either. Uh, you know, he's not been quite as sharp as in the past. And I have to say, I, I thought he might have been half a yard short of his old pace too. That might just be me uh, projecting the injury on to, onto a feeling about it but it's you know it, it's it's a real blow for United it, he's going to be out for a couple of months they say he had this minor operation on a meniscus tear that's the third so he ripped the other two and uh, and he's done the holy trinity of knee injuries here which is pretty awful and and I think when he comes back he'll he'll need another month or two months to get back into full fitness so I don't think we'll see the best of Vidic this side of Christmas even if he does come back and, and then there's still the question about his long term his long term health and fitness too and he's you know in his 30s now so is Rio it, it might be if Vidic has lost pace that the two of them can't play together anymore because Ferdinand has to do the dropping deep at the moment and otherwise we might get into a Chelsea-esque both defenders have to drop deep and, and that would be a real problem for United it's a, it's a huge issue. Let's talk about this defensive injury crisis, Groundhog Day situation. Because, you know, last season it started to stop looking like it was an accident. I mean, Vidic obviously was injured. Uh, impact injury was a on-the-pitch thing. But we've had a major defensive injury crisis every season we've been recording the Rantcast. So, unless it's a cause-and-effect thing that somehow the vibrational quantum effect of the Rantcast's existence is to take out United's defenders, there is something going on. I mean, is it just misfortune? Is something being mishandled at the club? I guess we don't have enough data to say, really, do we? No, nothing conclusive. I mean, people, of course, talk about you know, training and fitness and medical facilities in United are spending an awful lot of money on upgrading the medical facilities at Carrington. But I, I suppose it's probably just bad luck. But even if it is just bad luck, given the histories of all the players involved, Fernand, lots of injuries. Vidic has had injuries before this. Remember that nerve problem he had while negotiating the new contract. Raphael, lots of injuries. Johnny Evans has had quite a few injuries. And and an ankle operation in the summer which you know I, I can tell you takes an awful long time to get over and and Smalling and Jones both had injuries last season so there we are we're stocked with defenders and and all of them get injuries except for Patrice Evra and of course Ferguson brought in cover for Patrice Evra uh, which you know there has some sad irony to it as well and 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 so because of that even though United were stopped and and you know prima facie it seems like we're in a very healthy position in terms of defenders the history says that that it was probably a mistake not to think about that and and you know once is bad like twice it's pretty misfortunate three times looks like bad planning 
Yeah, absolutely. And this really is the third very serious central injury crisis. I mean, Johnny's all right and Rio's all right, so we're all right. But if either one of them goes down, then it's Michael Carrick in central midfield and in central defence, sorry, and everyone's worst nightmares realised. I suppose there are a few more options in central midfield because people are getting back to fitness, so of course Cleverly can come in, but there's no other defensive player unless we're counting Fletcher, and, and of course he, he had a, a game against Newcastle, which was really, really great to see, we'll come on to the Newcastle game, but, but in central midfield United are light on quality, uh, as we saw in the Liverpool game, and, and so any more defensive injuries, and we've got a real problem, real problem. So uh, talking about Newcastle, on to Newcastle, and, and there, I thought there were quite a lot of positives there, not, not a fantastic performance by any means, but quite a few few youngsters who really did themselves a lot of good I thought. Yeah absolutely and in fact talking of being light on quality in central midfield, uh, an excellent central midfield performance uh, from Fletcher Cleverley and Anderson working as a sort of three. Amazing to see Darren Fletcher play 90 minutes for the United first team. Yeah amazing he he appears to have aged about 17 years over the last 10 months I mean he's really got that old man's face about him now which is kind of a shame but running about making tackles he looked energetic he he looks he looks bigger than he has done in the past you know he's obviously put some weight back on and stuff and it's just great to see him back who knows whether he's going to be able to come back to his very highest level again you know i don't i don't know honestly i guess it depends on quality of his health but great to see him in there thought cleverly had a very good game and son a decent game as well obviously scored the goal and and waddled around a bit and you know provided some sort of energy not always great quality from him but good to see again of course you know is this anderson's renaissance part 87 you know we can talk about whether he's going to come back on of course he'll get injured next week uh, inevitably and, and but but good to see those two and and uh, wayne rooney back as well which is good for united and not quite sure where he's going to fit into the side exactly but very good to see him back but the big positive for me were the two young guys at the back in central defense who, who had some top quality strikers to deal with and did really really well scott wooden very good i thought pick of the bunch was michael Keane, though he's been outstanding at reserve level and and i thought he's really really good on wednesday night too they did brilliantly against Amiobi. They struggled slightly when Cissé came on. But frankly, some of the best central defenders in the world have struggled against Papi Cissé. He's a phenomenally gifted centre-forward. So it, no real surprises there. They, they did they did great. Anderson, just a word for that goal. Because, you know, a wonder strike is, is one thing. But a wonder strike under that level of pressure, it's absolutely something else. And you, you watch that happen. And, and it, it just, Anderson's kind of mixed up and down performances throughout the seasons. Comes flashing behind... In front of your eyes all in one go and you can't quite believe what you're seeing you know it was a a remarkable moment from Anderson and uh, we cannot review this game without talking about T Clev's brand destroying miss Uh, he he was very pleased to have made up for that one well fantastic goal from Anderson burst past a player and then lashed into the corner of course it went to his head a little bit because every other shot he had on the night he skied into the stands you know some awful ones after that so yeah what was that three goals in nearly 175 appearances or something you know it's it's not a great record is it cleverly yep he's not had his shooting boots on this season has he but a fine goal passed it into the net and that that was a mark of quality he really should score more goals I think cleverly and did a bit of a celebration afterwards and that'll put a few zeros on the new contract that his people and his entourage are negotiating as we speak I'm sure I'm probably signed up a couple of sponsors overnight 
Uh, Nick from at Man United Youth would no doubt want us to point out at this point that he's had a really good scoring record sometimes when he's been on loan. So it, it, it might just be that he hasn't played very many games for United yet, the reason that he hasn't scored. Um, and I, I wonder if that confidence will lead to, that goal will lead to a bit of confidence and a, a, a burst of goals. Maybe it depends on the position. He, he scored freely at Watford, n- not at Wigan, so and not for United so far. So I think the evidence says he, he, he scored freely at Championship level and nowhere else yet doesn't mean he hasn't got the qualities to do it and of course for United he's playing fairly deep you know he's playing in the sort of two trying to give a platform to Shinji Kagawa when he does play he's been outside for a couple of weeks obviously and and so we'll see I think he's got the talents to to score goals and uh, maybe it's just about getting into the right positions more talking of young lads at the back David De Gea in goal did not see that one coming uh, we talked about goalkeeping reputation you called it you said whoever doesn't play at Liverpool will play uh, at Newcastle I, I, De Gea getting the shout in the League Cup seems a bit of a bit of a slap in the face really but Fergie I'm just going to have to accept and come to terms with the fact that he is not messing around he's rotating these goalkeepers well, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, we'll see at the weekend who plays against Spurs. I mean, does De Gea get another game now or, or is Lindegaard back in? And if Lindegaard's back in, it kind of says that he's the number one, you know. And I'm not sure De Gea's done anything to deserve it. But, hey, we've had that debate already and, and Fergie does what Fergie pleases. So, uh, you know, even though he's a big fan of the rank cast, obviously, I, I suspect he'll keep rotating d- despite our, uh, our bemusement over it. And, and he didn't really have to do anything particularly did he in the game uh, I, he did fine I think he just missed one that hit the bar and then couldn't get to Cisse's header nothing really to be concerned about I, I know the commentators were complaining about one time he punched which seemed fine he punched and he got it away though but apparently that was terrible but uh, you know there you go I, I think there's some commentators and, and pundits who have decided that uh, w- whatever happens uh, De Gea can't do anything aerially at all even when he does yes yeah, so it's Alan Smith so you can instantly disregard it I have not written a poem about Alan Smith, but it can only be a matter of time. At Benny Hudson asked a really interesting question, I thought. Of the debutants last night, as we record this, it was last night, who is the most likely to reach 100 appearances for United? And I I think Michael Keane would be my shout, uh, but obviously it's a a huge call. You have no idea. And there there is an outside chance that all, all the debutants could make it at United. I don't mean all of them, but any single one of them could. Any single one of them could. I think at the bottom of that list would be Scott Wooten. Not not necessarily because I think he's a bad player. I think he's a, I think he's a fine player, but I'm not convinced that he's United quality. And and also he's getting on a bit now. So obviously not in relative terms to the rest of his life, but in you know youngsters' terms, he's he's had very little football. And he's like 21, nearly 21. Anyway, he turns he's he's soon to turn 21, and so he'd be the bottom of my list. And Michael Keane, yeah. I mean he's made so much progression over 18 months. I think 18 months ago you'd have doubted whether he'd made it as a right back and now we're talking about perhaps he'll be a united quality center back and and so that that's a re, you know, real mark of his progression of course a reserve team player of the year so it'd be fair to pick him as the one who might make it to 100. Uh, Ryan Tunnicliffe reserve team player of the year the year before that also came on and if you've not already heard this story uh, his dad bet 100 pounds when he was nine that Tunnicliffe would one day play for the first team at Manchester United not when his dad was nine but when when Ryan was nine and he did it and pocketed his dad £10,000. So, n- not bad. Very good. I'm glad his dad wasn't betting at nine. That'd be illegal. We, we don't yeah. condone that kind of behaviour here on Rant. 
And if you if you bet at nine years old that your son is going to one day play for Manchester United, you should be getting more odds than than he got. Remarkable stuff. Uh, Tunnicliffe, you, I mean, the thing is, if all his characteristics as a as a player become you know reach the the kind of heights that their potential indicated that you would hope they would he's exactly the player we're crying out for oh, you know right, yeah. he's a little mini Lee Casamol isn't he <laughs> <laughs> well yeah but you know in potentially and I, I do mean potentially he's a little Roy Keane as well isn't he you know he's got that bombast I mean I guess it is it's, yeah he has got that and but it's really it's, I have to say it's really hard with him to, to know for sure that he'll make it I think a lot of it will be because he's not the most naturally talented player in the world a lot of it will be down to his attitude and and how much he he wants it really and how hard he's going to work and and luck as well and whether he'll get the opportunity to break through because uh, again you know if he doesn't make it in the next year 18 months and start getting some games he he might consider going elsewhere which he wouldn't blame a young player no absolutely uh nick powell came on uh you mentioned his passing being perhaps a little a little area of weakness when he, he kind of impressed with his cameo against Wigan. And uh, yeah, his passing against Newcastle was very wayward indeed, I thought. I think he gets into really good positions. I do like his movement. I mean, he, he, he pops up in between the lines just with kind of natural ease. So I think there's a lot to work with there. And, and uh, obviously he scored a lot of goals at Crewe. And so you, you figure he knows how to find the net. And the goal he scored for United against Wigan would tell you that as well. So it's just that passing thing that's going to make the difference. He, he, he can't become a top central midfielder. He gives the ball away 25% of the time. Just look at Anderson. Uh, talking of looking at Anderson, as as we look forward to the game against Tottenham Hotspur at home and the game against what was it? What was the, what was the order of the letters? CFR Kluge. CFR Kluge. What are we going to be seeing in terms of central midfield combinations in those two games? Because Fergie really does have a lot of options in that area now. Ironically. I don't know. I mean, I suppose we'll go back to Carrick and Skulls, I would think, for the Tottenham game on the Saturday evening. And then for the Cluj game on the Tuesday, probably some rotation. Now, I know that Ferguson said he'd play the strongest side, but uh, I think this is one where you probably do think to rotate. A week after United go away to Newcastle, so it's a couple of tough games. So I think if he's going to rotate, it'll be for the European game. And, uh, you know, Cluj have no great record in European competition. They're from Transylvania, which might tell you they suck. Oh, Edward, what have you done? (laughs) That's just exploded all over all the listeners. (laughs) Oh, uh. Bad pun. Yes, explosively bad pun. Uh, We've had a question from Matt Liz Worsley talking of selection dilemmas. Is it possible to play ORVP, Rooney and Kagawa in the same lineup, but without playing them out of their favoured positions? I've had a bit of a think about this, and it sort of is, but I don't think it's going to happen very often, because you would have to, you'd have to basically play a, uh, like a, a four one three two and i can't see that happening very often no i think it's the answer uh, basically i i think there's no way you could do it without losing a central midfielder which isn't going to happen or losing a winger and you know i should be pretty lopsided that's happened in the past of course ferguson has done that i think much more likely if the three of them are going to play is that really plays left I don't know, I'm almost not averse to that, ironically, given how much pain seeing Rooney on the left has caused over the years. Nani, what is going on with Nani? It's a worry, isn't it? Steve Nicol, the former Liverpool fullback, and I think he's coaching the MLS or something like that these days, called it the worst performance he'd ever seen from a professional player. Now, I'm not quite sure that's true. I think Nanny's performance at Everton might rival it. But yeah, shocking. I mean, he really, really, really does not look like he wants to be a Manchester United player. 
Which is bizarre because there's all sorts of odd talk about the the way the the transfer window went from him. I was listening to the Seven Cantonars podcast and they related a story that on the last day of the transfer window he allegedly turned off his phone to stop getting calls. The, the Russian transfer window, right? Yeah, he t- yeah. turned off his phone to stop getting calls from Zenit. He said he would go there for an astronomical sum to kind of try and put them off, sort of thing. But yeah, there's there's something. There is just something not right. I mean, he has had p- periods like this before when he. P- Totally, there was never any question about whether or not he wanted to be a United player. He just had patches of very poor form, and then suddenly exploded into life again. So perhaps, perhaps he'll have a period on the bench now, and then and then explode into life. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, it does depend on players' fitness. With Ashley Young out for a little while, he, we're a bit light in the wide areas. So I mean, perhaps Rooney's fit enough. I mean, look, actually, I thought uh, coming back to Rooney, he looked pretty good against Newcastle. And you know, those two barometers it was mentioned a few times by people on Twitter the two barometers of Rooney's form his first touch and his weight of pass were were good right and there were some good signs there so I think if uh, Ferguson does want to put Nani on the bench or out of the squad altogether he's done that already this season then then the obvious option is really for Rooney to come in left or Welbeck I suppose and for Valencia to play right depending on his fitness because there's a story about his him having a trouble with his foot as well Daily Mail ran that one I think that was the only paper to actually run that one so we'll, we'll see whether that's true or not we sort of bemoan the state of things at United quite often, you know, given given the frustrations with things like Giggs playing against Liverpool and, you know, it's very difficult to it's very difficult to be kind of unabashedly positive and optimistic about United because they make it so hard to do that. But there are there are huge causes for optimism throughout the squad. You know, in, in every position we've got players and cover and all that kind of stuff it's just there's just some catalyst missing to get everything firing on all cylinders but while that's not been happening we've still been winning games Van Persie's dragged us through this early part of the season with the help of Paul Scholes and we're we're in an excellent position and and having got that those three points at Anfield that's three points we've not been able to take for granted for a long time so it really is going to be interesting to see where the season goes from here. You could argue that United haven't played well at all in any game this season. I mean, Newcastle games are slight aside, isn't it, because of the, the nature of the tournament and the, the team and all of that. But definitely not got going. Uh, yes, there's there's a reason to feel very optimistic because there's there are lots of players in all positions. It's a big squad. You know, there's lots of hope about some of the players that could really come good. So if you if you had the most positive spin on it, you'd say there's there's some really positive signs that United could be really good. Uh, I think there's an l- awful lot with the converse of. If and buts and you don't really need to be a pessimist to say things aren't quite right with some parts of the United squad and and central defence and central midfield are are two major areas of weakness for slightly different reasons and that's a real problem but you know maybe maybe that win at Liverpool will kickstart things you've got Spurs at the weekend that's always a good game at Old Trafford should be open Villas Spurs is trying to get Spurs to play some very attacking football the game at Cluj in midweek you'd expect United to win that and then the away trip to Newcastle so you know maybe this is a springboard for a you know a really good run up to Christmas which would be unusual for United and that's the positive spin on it all it could come really good and, and a great fixture to kick off things going well uh, United against Spurs at Old Trafford to be honest I mean there's obviously a lot more fi- there's fixtures which have a lot more emotional weight and a lot more intensity and uh, you know have been title deciders or hated rivals and all that sort of nonsense but there's no fixture for me which sums up English football glamour 
better than United against Tottenham at, at Old Trafford. It's just, you know, you barely remember a stinker. There's goals galore, that phenomenal turnaround when we were playing the deadliest front four in the history of front fours in the 5-2 the other season, uh, all kicked off by Ronaldo scoring a nicely dived four pen. But yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a terrific fixture. I, every time it comes up in the calendar, I talk about how my favourite ever game was the three-all draw sometime, I can't remember what year it was in the 80s, uh, just because I, I had the VHS of that, and me and you used to watch it over and over again. It's it's a it's an awesome fixture, and, and one United do very well in. Yes, a very good record, and very good record, I suppose. I obviously did the double over them last season, uh, you know, knocked them for five a couple of times in the last decade or so, a couple of fours in there too, and yeah, for some reason we always beat Spurs, don't we? You know, Not well, not always, but frequently. Very yeah. frequently, in fact, and and uh, you know, really good record over over Spurs in in all competitions in the in the last decade or so. And uh, I'm kind of expecting it to happen again. Uh, Villa Spurs has has come in. He's made a few changes, not dramatic changes. He's not tried to do a Chelsea on this one, but he made a few. And and Spurs, are, you know, they've been in and out of form, haven't they, this season? They haven't really taken off yet. But there there are a few signs they beat QPR at the weekend, and a few signs that they're coming back into some form. And he's promised to come to Old Trafford to attack which is always music to United fans ears I think when Spurs come to Old Trafford to attack because it probably means they're going to ship five <laughs> absolutely um I mean it, lots of interesting questions about Spurs's transfer window in some ways they did quite a lot of good business but obviously losing Luka Modric and Rafael van der Vaart is an enormous loss for them yeah, definitely more Modric than Van der Vaart, who had a bit of an off-season last season. Interesting, Modric, he's he's playing in the hole for Real Madrid. We always thought of him as a kind of deep-lying playmaker, but he's taken Mesut Ozil's place in the Real Madrid side, and he's kind of playing behind a lone striker, which is interesting. But yeah, big loss to Tottenham. and, and they've, But I think they've done some good business. They've got a nice balance to the side. Now, obviously, they haven't replaced like-for-like like in terms of quality, but Dembele, who was excellent for Fulham at Old Trafford, uh, will be another player I'm sure he'll start for Spurs it'll probably be excellent again for Spurs yeah no absolutely and and of all of all the business that was done uh, those are probably the two players that didn't come to Old Trafford in the summer that I would have most liked to have uh, miraculously in one case and slightly more feasibly and confusing that it didn't happen Lee in the case of Dembele uh, but it would have been amazing to see Modric at United but of course that one was never on the cards no, and, and it seems from the word doing the rounds that, that Dembele was never on the cars either. United didn't make any attempt, uh, despite the, the newspaper stories. It, it would seem that the, the lad Herrera is uh, is definitely coming, so probably in January, and that's, that's maybe why, but he's not quite the same kind of player. But I'm, look, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing Dembele. He's, one of, he's a real rare breed for a central midfielder in that he actually dribbles with the ball. You know, you, you very rarely get a central midfielder these days who wants to take on a player, and, and that's why he's such a lot of fun to watch. Clichés aside, Spurs are generally a lot of fun to watch, so it should be a game, a good game, because fun to watch sides bring out the fun to watch sides in of United, and and that's you know that's always lovely to see because uh, we do we do have a tendency to get a bit turgid from time to time, but all the attacking talent on show, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he played a little more adventurous side because it is um, maybe not just Carrick and Skulls in the centre of midfield, maybe even give Skulls a bit of a bit of a further rest because he might think that the some of the other options could do the job and save Skulls' precious precious legs for later in the season 
Maybe, yeah. I can, uh, I, I'd say if I was betting on this one, I, I'd probably uh, say that Skulls will play in this one. But uh, hey, it wouldn't do him a load of harm, would it, to to give him a rest now and and for the Kluge game and give him that ten day break and uh, you know keep him fresh for games coming ahead. We'll 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 see with that one. We'll see. Uh, talking about Turgid, uh, I bet we have some Twitter questions this week. No, that's cruel, cruel. <laughs> that's absolutely harsh. I mean, well, I, I've tried to dot a few into the show. Well, this is this is another one about about young players at United but slightly different take on it this is from at rude boy 99 that's R-W-D if I didn't make that clear from pronunciation um, he says in light of last night's debutants who in your opinion has been the greatest ever youth player to play for United I mean if you mean the United youth product who's come the most good well, I think there's a definitive correct answer to that question, albeit he is up against a pretty stiff competition. But in our lifetimes, I don't see how you could look past Paul Scholes. And Ryan Giggs. And and Darren Gibson. <laughs> Who's back on Twitter. The G-bomb's come back. He's lasted more than 45 minutes this time. Fantastic stuff, yeah. Now, uh, Scholes uh, as the highest quality United youth player in my lifetime, yeah. I mean, unfortunate or fortunate depending on your take on these things uh, I'm not old enough to have witnessed George Best live or uh, Duncan Edwards or any of those uh, that generation of players so uh, missed those guys but yeah in the modern era it can't look past skulls and geeks uh, two, two genuine legends of the club who, who came through the youth system yeah and I mean I guess it would be very very remiss not to mention Bobby Charlton at this point as well because I'm sure that the people if there had been podcasts 20 years earlier the people that grew up watching Lauren Best and Charlton would say that Best and Charlton were, were, the, were the greatest United youth product I mean, it's amazing to think of the quality of some of United's youth products over the years and, you know, the people that have become, as you say, proper, proper club legends. Indeed, they have. Talking of United legends, we've got another competition because we just love to give things away here at the Rantcast. Although, as of right now, this is the last thing we have to give away. So, you know, if you want to give contest prizes away on the Rantcast, just get in touch with us. Um, I'll read the postcard that this that came with this from a PR consultancy firm, just to make it very clear. It says, this scarf was signed by the following Manchester United <clears throat> legends. Lou Macari maybe gets legendary status for the chip shop. Gary Pallister, yeah, it's close, but, you know, you could give that a shout. Brian Robson, unquestionable, Manchester United legend. Wilf McGuinness, I mean, I don't know, slightly unsuccessful replacement for Sir Matt Busby. Don't want to be disrespectful, but does that get legend status? Probably not, no, let's, let's be honest about it. A man with a legendary tan... Clayton Blackmore. I mean, I would pay good money to have a scarf signed by Clayton Blackmore, let me tell you. And the legend of all United legends, Ashley Grimes. Now, I don't set myself up as a as a, an expert on anything, but, you know, I think if someone's a, an actual Manchester United legend, I have probably heard of them. And I've looked up Mr Grimes and he had a, a good career at United. He was on the bench in a cup final against Brighton and Hove Albion. So, you know, he achieved far more in football than I could ever have dreamt of achieving. Uh, but I think legend might be a bit of a stretch. And so on that basis, our question that we would like you to answer in order to win this incredible piece of United memorabilia. Uh, it really has been signed by all those people. Lou Macari, Gary Ballister, Brian Robson, Ashley Grimes, Clayton Blackmore and Wilf McGuinness. Uh, the question is, if you could ask Ashley Grimes one question, 
what would it be? So if you use the hashtag Rantcast on Twitter to get that que- you get your answer to that question in, the rules of the competition are it has to be one tweet and it has to have the hashtag in it. So yeah, one question for Manchester United legend Ashley Grimes and you could win this glorious Man United scarf. It says MUFC on it and it's signed and it definitely that definitely says Lou Macari and it doesn't smell of the chip shop. And, Very nice. Yeah, you know, there you go lovely stuff I mean that's that's quality there so you don't get that on other United related podcasts let me tell you we think that the full strength side against Tottenham and a slightly more rotatey sort of a side against Cluj then do we I suspect so yeah I mean uh, as common with many United fans I haven't seen an awful lot of Cluj they they have a, a pretty average record in the Champions League they are Owned by a local businessman. I, I like this as a bit of trivia. Zoltan Arapad Pazaski, that's probably horribly pronounced, was once charged by the local prosecutors in Romania on uh, crimes of supporting a criminal organisation extortion. He's mafia. So, you know, I'd better win otherwise. Uh, they're, yeah, they're for the horse's head. <laughs> all right then well that's that's i mean you know it's it's got horrible banana skin written all over it hasn't it or at least thoroughly underwhelming manchester united scraper win written all over it we just don't seem to put teams to the sword ever i mean you mentioned we haven't played well all season really but i guess we did have a good half against wigan where we kind of put them to the sword be really nice to see a bit of that against Clujure. We we need some you know just some we need to bar someone basically yeah, it's it's been such a long time since United really played well in Europe that it's hard to feel too positive about Europe. It's hard it's hard to think that United are going to really smash someone. And, and I suppose if we were going to really smash anyone in this group, then it would be Cluj. Uh, although I suspect that Ferguson will rotate a bit. So, you know, for that reason, I I think it probably won't be that easier a game. And United should win, though. The interesting thing about Cluj, because, because they are financed by this uh, mafia dude, uh, allegedly, they have a very international squad, so you know they have a good mix of Romanians, obviously, but but also people from Brazil and uh, Greece and Uruguay and Angola and France and other countries of that nature. <laughs> of, of what nature? Countries sim- similar to Angola and France. Yeah, Belgium, you know, Francophones. <laughs> Belgium and Mozambique. You know, underestimate teams in the Champions League at your peril. An away trip to Romania, that doesn't sound like it's going to be easy to me. And we're playing on Saturday and Tuesday, which is, is never the easiest. For me, a lot depends. I think if he doesn't play goals against Spurs and he then does play goals against Cluj, I'll feel a lot more comfortable. Because when he kind of puts in skulls for experience, it's a lot nicer than when he puts in gigs for experience. And I think I kind of have a horrible feeling that there could be a gigs in central midfield game uh, against Cluj because he, he might just think that European experience is needed but I'd rather that didn't go down uh, yes I suppose away in Europe you'd probably want to look for a bit of experience I don't know he's rotated heavily in some uh, uh, European games against uh, uh, lesser opponents shall we say in the past so um, I know he promised to play a really strong side and maybe he will do but as I said that kind of envelope of tough games either side makes me suspect that there'll be a few changes we might see Cleverly and Anderson again Something like that. That wouldn't surprise me an awful lot. Uh, maybe another you know, run out for Darren Fletcher would be nice to see again. Yeah, because I think uh, undoubtedly the highlight of the week was having Darren back for 90 minutes, the low light being the Mania's injury. But another two wins for United since we last spoke, and, and I guess you're going to predict another two wins. What are the scores going to be? Yeah, I think United will win twice, uh, and it's Spurs, so there's going to be goals, so I think it's going to be 3-1 to United. All right, I'm going to go, I don't know, I'm quite tempted to say like 7-4 or something, but that's probably not going to happen. So yeah, I think I'm going to go 4-2. Uh, let's be ridiculous about these things. And then Cluj, I think, a slightly underwhelming 2-0 win. 
Yep, 2-0 sounds good to me. Yeah, I think it'll be a slightly underwhelming but professional performance out in Romania. All right, and uh, we'll be back with another one of these things this time next week. Looking forward to it and glad we could finally do this after a, a few technical troubles this week. But uh, we're, we're, we're on the air just about and, and uh, we'll be celebrating a couple of wins, I think, this time next week and giving away a, a legendary Ashley Grimes scarf. All right, take care, folks. If you want me, you can get me at UTD Rantcast. You can get Ed at United Rant. Always lovely when people leave us nice reviews on iTunes. Thank you to everyone that's done that. And thank you to everyone that's hit us up at unitedrant.co.uk slash donate. It could not be more appreciated. And we'll see you next week.